To me, when I read it, it says that all men have two accounts, two credit accounts. A credit account with men and a credit account with God. And you've got to choose which account means more to you in this life if you're going to live for Jesus. Would you open your Bibles to the book of John, the 12th chapter? We shall look right around verse 42 and 43. Message this morning is entitled Credit Report. Credit Report. Let's read the text first. I doubt if you're reading from the King James that you'll see much connection between my title and the text. I like it that way sometimes. John 12, verse 42 and 43. If you have it, say amen. amen. Reading from the King James Version, the Bible says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, speaking of Christ. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, verse 43, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Our text is very straightforward. Talks about some fortunate people in an unfortunate circumstance. They were fortunate because they had the privilege of seeing and receiving in person the ministry of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what it was like to see him and talk to him and be touched by him, to sit on a crowded hillside and be preached to by him, to be healed by him, to be loved by him? Why? It was even an experience to be looked upon by him. He looked at a tax collector one day sitting at tax and said, follow me. And there was something about the look in the eyes of Jesus that made Matthew get up and leave his job and follow him. And they had the privilege of being ministered to by Jesus. He was there in their presence. Sometimes people think and they imagine what it would be like to live in different times of history. Where would you go if you could just leave this time and show up in another time? Would you fly off to the future? Be careful, might not be anything there. <laughs> well, he's coming soon, can you say amen? Go back to the past? Well, I give you another word of warning. The good old days were not so good all the time. Why, you might miss your Walkman and your PDA and your computer that you become addicted to and what would you do in the afternoons after the sun went down when there was no electricity or light or television to occupy your midnight hours why some of us could not even fall asleep be interesting to go from home to home and find how many people are in their bedrooms dead asleep with the television still on where would you go if I had my druthers there are two eras of history I'd like to go to, right around the, the, the turn of the century when all the inventions were being made. It was an exciting time to be alive. That's my second choice. My first choice would be to live when Jesus was here. Wouldn't that be amazing? And these people spoken of in this text had that fortunate circumstance. 
But the unfortunate thing about their situation was that they were too scared to profess his name because a group of people called Pharisees said, we don't believe in him. And if you confess Jesus, we're kicking you out the church. So text in verse 43 says, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Oh yes, we could preach a lot about that. There are still fortunate people in that unfortunate circumstance today. Something about Jesus makes them want to follow them, but him because of circumstances in their lives, they still have stepping with Jesus. Are you following me, church? Some would join, but their club would not approve. Some would join, but their girlfriend or boyfriend thinks religion is just the opiate of the people. Some are too far, and I use the word cautiously, evolved. (laughs) To depend on religion anymore, some are just too busy enjoying the world to give God a chance. But there's still something about that day. Perhaps it was the way you were brought up. Church still appeals to you. And in your quiet moments, you still find yourself thinking about, yay, even praying to Jesus. But when it comes to a public declaration of his name, why, it just might be too costly to stand up, stand up for Jesus. Still in that circumstance. Text talks about them. Tells how that they would rather have the praise of men rather than the praise of God. I'm going to leave the praise of men alone and focus on the positive. For the text tells us that God praises us. Wake up, saints, wake up. (laughs) They would rather have the praise of men. Yeah, he's all right. He hang with us. He's one of the boys. One of the girls, he knows what's up. Why, he's rising in the company. If you want to attach your wagon to anybody, he's a rising star. Better get with him, the praise of men. She looks good. She looks good. He can sing good. They walk good. Rather than having the praise of God. Now, when you compare the two things, there should be no comparison. But we don't prize the praise of God because sometimes the praise of God is secretive. You don't know it's going on. I doubt if Job knew how highly God thought of him. Lucifer, you think you run it. Read the book of Job, y'all. Running up and to her from the earth. You're so haughty about the position, your position on that planet that you stole from Adam, that when I call the meetings of the sons of God, you have the audacity to walk up in here representing earth. But have you considered my servant Job? Job, yeah, Job. Who is perfect. Huh, the only reason he's perfect. <laughs> 
and does everything right because you got a hedge around him, you're protecting him, and you're blessing him. Why take away his blessings? Good old Job will curse you to your face. Jesus, that's what Lucifer said. The praise of God toward us is not always known, but I want you to know no matter how weak and struggling you are, if you profess the name of Jesus, God thinks highly of you. How high? We're going to see in just a moment. We don't respect the praise of God because it's unknown. God blesses us in many different ways. Only when we get to heaven we will realize how much God blessed and kept us while we walk this way. You see, the very things that commend you to God, that causes God to bless and praise you, causes the devil to hate you. And if he had his way, you would have never made it to church this morning. And I don't mean a little delay, like your tire would wind up flat. I just checked that yesterday at the gas station. Everything was fine. I don't mean that you got up this morning and somebody would have called you and made you late to get here. If the devil had his way, you would be a statistic on the obituary page because he'd rather have you dead than to serve Jesus. Can I be plain this morning? Just as much as you got a friend in Jesus, you got an enemy in the devil. But don't be scared. <laughs> Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Can you say amen out there? So it makes a clear comparison between those that there are some folk who would rather have men's praise than God's praise. Now let me make the connection. I read this verse in the Amplified Version of the Bible. That's why I call it credit report. If they have it, Upstairs, where they put it on the screen, John 12, 43, from the Amplified Version, where the Bible says, it's coming up, I hope it's coming up. Uh, I just have to read it to you. <laughs> there it is. It says, For they love the approval and the praise and the glory that comes from men instead of and more than the glory that comes from God, in parentheses, Amplified in the Bible, they value their credit with men more than their credit with God. Now, if anything makes clear the difference between God and man, it's when this text puts it in the form of credit. To me, when I read it, it says that all men have two accounts, two credit accounts. A credit account with men and a credit account with God. And you've got to choose which account means more to you in this life if you're going to live for Jesus. Now, there's all different types of men's credit. There's social credit that men give to you. There's association credit that men give you. There's job credit. Well, I guess it's put clearly in an example I saw on a television show many years ago. How many of you remember the show Barney Miller? Some of y'all was alive back then. It was, it was a good show. And every week, Barney Miller, in a humorous way, would deal with the problems of, I think it was New York City, as a detective. And he had some people on his staff, that other detectives. And one of them was played by actor Ron Glass. He was a black detective. Remember him? And one day, Ron 
a compassionate man. His character was compassionate. I don't know about Ron, don't know him personally. Found a young man who was a gangbanger, a thug, and he was trying to show him the error of his ways. Trying to talk him into living a better life, abandoning the way he was living, using some of those talents that he was using and wasting in the thug life. He could take those same talents and be successful in life. So he began to tell him. Then the man challenged him. The young man said, well, you know, out here in the hood, well, I got my respects and I'm running with my homies. They got my back. That's a type of credit, right? I got women. People respect and or fear me. I can get stuff and anybody mess with me. I got my boys to take care of them. What you got, Mr. Detective? Sort of caught on um, off guard. Detective pulled out his credit card and said to the young man, you ain't nothing in this society until you can charge with dignity. <laughs> Man's credit. This society, this economy operates on credit. Credit is so important to this economy. Did you know that two-thirds of what goes on in this economy is based on consumer spending and buying? We all know the perils of credit, amen? Don't we? Oh, this is not an economic sermon, but let me just take a detour. Can you say amen? It is not wise to overly buy on credit. A man's credit. Right? Let me put it to you this way. Credit basically means that for everything you buy, you agree to pay between 9 and 26% more than it regularly costs. Y'all missed that. But for the convenience, I can get it right now. They looked at my credit report, help me Jesus, and determined I was a good risk. You see, the reason they have a credit report is to determine how much of good risk you are. So that when I can walk in the store and show this card, they will give me merchandise. They're not giving you anything. Whenever you flash your credit card, you are taking out a loan. Anywhere from 6, 7, 8, 9% to 26, sometimes 28, 30% more than it regularly costs. And so to keep track of you, they put together a credit report. It's so important to this economy that the government made a decree that you can go online and once a year get a free credit report of what your credit situation is. Your credit score, based on any woman 300 to 830. Huh? The higher your score, the better credit risk they think you are. And the more credit, they will loan you. I'm going to stop saying give you when I talk about man. Loan you. Are you with me? Right? They look at how long you've been on your job. They look at how much money you make. They look at how well you pay your bills. And based on your score, they will loan you money. Credit spending has gone up so much 
that a recent article on Fox News said that U.S. consumer credit may crash the U.S. economy. Sooner or later, you overcredit yourselves if you're not careful. They say it happens to most people when they apply for another credit card and get turned down. See, there's some catch-22s in all of that, right? They give you a credit limit or amount. They give you plus points if you have an amount but you don't spend it all. That shows that you're in control of your credit. You're not going to go up to the limit. You're probably monitoring things. You think the higher the limit, the more I can spend. The more you spend, the less. The more you charge, the more your credit points go down. Isn't that amazing? Oh, yeah, big brother's watching you. Huh? That's all in man's credit. As a matter of fact, in order to get credit, they put you into a catch-22. In order to get credit, you've got to prove you can have credit, but you can't prove you have credit until you get credit. Young married people who are just starting out know all about that, right? They want to go out and buy that first car and all that stuff. Say, so, well, do you have any established credit? Well, we just got married. All we got is each other. <laughs> Love and our wedding gifts. That's all we got. Okay, what are we going to do for you? We're going to give you this little credit card. Limit $1,000. Okay, 800 for you. Charge up to like 700 and you pay it off faithfully, we might give you more, excuse me, lend you more money. So you have to take time to establish your credit, right? And it all becomes a trap that can ensnare us. Be careful how you use it. It's a trap. We've been told in the spirit of prophecy of the places that we should avoid debt like the plague. Here's the next catch-22. Because the economy is so much based on consumer spending that everybody brought things by cash and did it the right way, we crashed the economy. You ever notice how at Christmas time all the stores are waiting with bated breath to see how much Christmas presents you all would buy? You ever notice that? The Christmas spending fee used to start at Thanksgiving. Now it's October right around uh, Halloween. Pretty soon they're going to move it up to Easter. Because <laughs> everything, every store is waiting to see how much you're going to come and buy every year. This economy is no more and longer based on producing. Other countries with more people who charge less for their labor are outproducing us in those ways. China and the third world is, are killing us. Huh? It's based upon seeing how much we can spend, right? So it's based on that. Everybody out there, out there. So instead of buying that refrigerator and the toys for the kids and the Nintendo and all of that right now on your easy credit plan, if you saved up for it, how long would it take you? <laughs> Two, three, four months. Okay, year, uh, four years. But we get it all with an easy revolving credit account. We know it's better for us if we pay for stuff in cash. Y'all are not listening to me this morning. And the preacher's preaching to himself. I can tell you about some journeys. I can tell you how the Lord blessed us to get to a place where we paid off all our credit debt. Say amen. 
Didn't have nothing but house bill and car payments. Three, four years later, we were back in credit debt. <laughs> so I now speak to you as one who has had the victory all through his life, but I'm learning as time passes. It's better to buy stuff in cash. So my wife and I are about to embark, she don't know this yet, on <laughs> a campaign, and God has blessed us to once again be debt-free. Huh? But if everybody did that around Christmas time, instead of buying all that stuff, you went to the store and looked at it one more time. Put that on layaway. We're going to get that in 2007. <laughs> when you come back to the store to get it off layaway, the store would be out of business. And we all need a little credit, just a little, because of the way the society has been made. Large, large purchases like houses and cars be very difficult for us to save for, even though it is possible if you start early enough. Start little, you know, get a used car, save, pay it off. Then the money you get from that, start saving that toward the purchase of a big car, right? And the sooner or later you'll be able to buy a good car by purchase, you know, cash. It may not be a Lexus, but it could be what you could afford. Pay that off. Save up those payments. Eventually, you'll be able to get that Lexus. Now, it'll be about retirement. <laughs> but you won't be in debt. None of us, or should I should say, very few of us have the discipline to do that. So you all need a little credit. Pay off all that other stuff that you can pay in cash, food, clothing, and stuff. Wait till the stuff wear out before you replace it. It's so hard for us to do, right? All those commercials keep coming on TV. You need some new shoes. Just brought shoes last week, right? Here are the latest fashion trends from France, New York, Paris, all of those places, right? Oh, my old coat ain't no good no more. I got to get the new double-breasted single-stem coat, right? When it wear out, then replace it. You will be far ahead of the game, and you will be solvent. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm just sharing with the Lord that's blessed me to learn. Right? So hard for us to do. Society says you need a little credit even to rent a car. You notice that? So once you learn how to control it, your credit spending, it's good to have a credit card for emergencies emergencies, and some of them impose inconvenience. You know what I'm saying? If you're down visiting grandma down in the south, all of your checks and all that stuff is back up here, and you run low on cash, and emergency hits, you get a flat tire, your car goes out, it's good to have a little credit so you can charge it and get home, then pay it off. Control your credit by using the float. Did you know there's been 24 and 26 days between the time you charge your credit and the time it hits your account to be paid? If you pay it in that time, you pay no interest. Hmm. Right? The worst thing you do is charge it and forget it. Because once it gets on there and accounted, it starts accruing interest. Right? Daily compounded interest. 
So if you had a credit debt about $10,000 paying, the minimum amount it would take you years to pay it off. And you owe your soul to the company store. God does not want his people in bondage like that. And if you try, if you pray, if you commit it to the Lord, you can be free of that type of debt. I'm finished with my digression. Let me get back to the sermon. Say amen. amen. When I looked at the text, it talked about two accounts. Credit with God, credit with man. What are the differences between these two? And which would you rather have? When you really compare them, there's no comparison between the credit that God gives you and the credit that man loans you. First of all, the credit that man gives you is based on works. I've said already, the only way to get credit is to prove that you can handle credit, but you can't prove it until you get credit. So you got to work to prove to people that they can loan you money. Isn't that something? But based on your account in Jesus' blood, God gives you credit just because you are. Huh? You see, you are not a source of revenue to God. If we put the whole plan of salvation on a debit, profit basis, we all debits to God. Check it out, right? He made us. We didn't do anything to be made. The whole cost of making us was on God, right? We the one that sinned could not help ourselves. The whole cost of salvation is on God. What can you do to save yourself? Absolutely nothing. And if you think you can, we need to come to the foot of the cross and realize that without him, we can do no thing. Are you with me, saints? It's all on God. The cost of maintaining this thing called creation, your heartbeat, is all on him. For the Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. You can't take your next breath unless God's will that it'll be so. Yes, that's, that's how dependent we are upon him. <laughs> what do we give back to God? Hmm? That's why some skeptical people think it would have been more cost beneficial if God had just written us all off. At the moment, Eve said, I think I'll have a bite, Lucifer. And Adam said, how does that taste? Can I have some? At that moment, God should have stepped forward and said, this is going to get too costly. Everybody get wiped off. We start over again. <laughs> so we are not a source of revenue to God. He is enamored with us. He is engrossed with us because he loves us. I'm working on a sermon called The Love of God, The Ninth Wonder of the World. There's a text over there in Psalms. Y'all can go look for it if you want to do something that says that God's love is a wonder of the world. And that's the reason why. We don't give nothing to him. We just cost him. And he loves us anyway. So when you were born in this world of sin, God gave you a couple of accounts. Credit. Not because you were cute. 
not because you have proved that you were a credit risk. As a matter of fact, when you were born, before you were born, before your parents were born, God knew exactly what type of credit risk you would be. He could tell you how many times you would fail. He could tell you how many sins you would commit. He could tell you how many times once you became a Christian, you would let down his name. He could tell you whether or not like Peter, you would deny ever knowing him. He could tell you how many days you'd be in obedience, how many days you would be in disobedience. He knew the exact risk, and he extended to you a couple of accounts anyway. He extended to you an account of salvation. He extended to you an account of forgiveness, and he opened a prayer account in your name not on what you did, but on the merits of Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. So we don't have to earn God's credit. He gives it to us absolutely free. When we compare God's credit with man's credit, God's credit is eternal, man's credit is temporary. There is no interest rate. Zero percent interest, and he really means it. <laughs> on his credit account. Are you with me, saints? With man's credit, if you mess up, it takes you 7 to 15 years to be forgiven. <laughs> Did you know that if you had an account and that account went into arrears, that the record of their account would stay on your credit report for 7 to 15 years? Did you know that? This thing of where we'll be if it took God that long to forgive us. Fifteen years later, when you pray, Jesus looked down at you and said, Well, you know, I will forgive you, but I remember what you did. <laughs> you were an elder in the church. Tipped off with some of my money. My money, tied. And you asked me to forgive you for thinking the wrong thought. Give me two more years, and then maybe, if you're alive, I'll think about reinstating you in the church. The Bible says, instantaneously, when we ask God to forgive us, we are forgiven. And that there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. At the moment we confess our sins and ask him to forgive us, he takes our sins and separates them from us as far as the east is from the rest. He, west, he buries them at the bottom of the sea. And he dares anybody to condemn us for what we have done. Yet some of us still persist to walk around in condemnation and let other people put us in condemnation. How dare you remind me of what I used to be? God forgave me, and my credit report is clean. Somebody say amen out there. <laughs> man will always have you in condemnation. God forgives you instantly. He doesn't wait. In fact, he forgave you before you committed the sin. That's what Calvary means. Already forgiven. With man's credit, everything is to their advantage. You ever notice that? You see, they can mess up and credit your payments to somebody else's account. Hmm? They can mess up and have your identity stolen. Right? They can mess up and even lose the records that you ever paid a dime. And when after you jump through 1,000 hoops, 
I've been there. They finally see that they were wrong. All they say is, oops, we're sorry, we'll correct it. <laughs> you miss one payment. Your house could be gone. Right? I don't want to give the you know, adults out here anxiety attack this morning. <laughs> I used to tell the kids when I was teaching high school, why are you such a hurry to grow up? Do you know that being an adult means taking total responsibility for everything? You know the house you all live in? I tell them this. If your parents miss one payment, they can repossess your house. But your parents are out there sweating and working hard for you to take care of you so you can go happy, go lucky along the way, going to school, having fun and all that. All of the responsibility is on them. Take your time growing up. Growing up means you've got to bear all this responsibility. If we mess up, they can run us through the mills. We have to jump through hoops in order for them to lend us. Why, as a matter of fact, in order to get your credit report about your credit, you have to pay them. Everything is to their advantage. With salvation, God puts everything to our advantage. Our enemy is defeated. I thought I would remind you of that. Next time the devil comes knocking on your door in the middle of the night, in full scared of a Jesus out of the Christian's mode. You know, the devil keeps us from serving God just by <laughs> scaring us sometimes, right? Remind him that he is a defeated foe. That he went to contests with Jesus once up in heaven and Jesus hit him so hard he didn't stop bouncing until he got down to the earth. <laughs> Second round was on Calvary, right? But Jesus fought devil on his ground. And just to prove that the devil lost the battle, Jesus rose on the third day and took the keys. You know about that. Behold, I am for life forevermore and I have the keys. Of death, hell, and the grave. Satan, I picked your pocket while I was in the room. <laughs> while I was in the ring with you, I picked your pocket. Now you have no power over my children. When he reminds you of your journey, remind him of his end. The Bible says, and I saw the lake of fire. And the devil and the false prophet <laughs> and the beast were thrown in the lake of fire. They were burned up. As a matter of fact, the Bible says hellfire was prepared, not for you, but for the devil and his angels. Huh? You mean he's already defeated? Exactly. Everything is your advantage. You need help? Jesus has committed himself and all the holy angels to guaranteeing that you make it to heaven. He has committed himself. I preached on this. If the Lord has given Jesus Christ. Will he not also with him give us all things? You mean there's something else beside Jesus that God wants to give us? Yes. He's totally committed to your salvation. Everything is to your advantage. And when it comes to mistakes on your credit account with God, he doesn't make them. The Bible says the very hairs of your heads is numbered. So when Jesus comes back to get us, he won't get halfway to heaven and say, where's Pastor Shaw? I just checked the records. Angel made a mistake. He's supposed to be going up here. Let's go back, get pastor. No, 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 no. He doesn't make any mistakes with the account. You don't have to worry about your identity being stolen from God. Huh? Your identity is so sure with him that even if you die, 
they bury you. And as the Bible says, these worms destroy this body. When he comes back again, in the words of Job, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Don't ask me how he's going to put it back together. But in my flesh shall I see God. If he can collect me from the dust. Saints, are you listening to me? If the fires burn and I am cremated, if I'm swimming off a coast Biscayne and a shark eats me, <laughs> he will not lose my identity. He knows how to put Humpty the Dumpty back together again. Are you with me? I don't know. I just want to go. How about you? And these accounts have been opened up in your name. He already knows what type of risk you are. He wants to see you in heaven. He has invested much in you. My question to you this morning is, what does your credit report with God say? See, with all that that God doing, has done for us, there are ways we can ruin our report with God. The first way is disobedience. He to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. The most treacherous and dangerous thing a Christian can do is know what to, is right and not do it. Because disobedience negates all the promises of God and puts your account with God in jeopardy. Are you with me? Read what he said to the Old Testament to his people. Listen, if you obey me, here are the blessings and you open the windows of heaven. You will be helpful. Your kids will be helpful. Your enemies will never... Come, be, uh, prevail against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But he went on to say, but if you disobey, it's all off. Disobedience can mess up our accounts with God. Are you with me? Unpaid vows can mess up our accounts with God. This text over in Psalm that says, keep the vows that you made to God. If you promise, Lord, if you let me get this raise, I'll pay tithe and stewardship. You get the raise and a bonus. Don't pay tithe or stewardship. You've broken your vow with God. There is danger <laughs> in breaking your vows to God. Jesus said it's better for you not to promise God anything than to promise and don't pay. Why? Is God up there like, he didn't, I mean, he ain't no good. No. But when you put yourself outside of God's will, you put yourself on the devil's side, and the devil could have his way with you. It's better for you to stay on the Lord's side. Are you with me, church? Those things can negate our relationship with God. Not using the accounts can put them in danger. Back in the day, if you had a bank account and you never put any money in or out, just left it in there, they would keep it on the books forever, right? But now they found a way to get that money. They charge you a monthly fee. What's the fee for? <laughs> the fee is for the privilege of letting them hold your money. <laughs> and if the account is inactive, you don't put more in it. Those fees will eventually just eat that account, eat that account, eat that account, till you come looking for the account, and it's gone. What killed it? Lack of activity. Are you with me? It can be that way with God, right? 
When's the last time you really used your prayer account? Huh? Talk to them lately? Not only after emergency, not only all, is anyone looking in the company cafeteria, let me say grace. <laughs> but I mean daily, three times a day, Daniel type prayer. God wants you to use that account. See, with man, if you overuse the account, your credit account goes down. God wants you to use up your blessings account. Wouldn't it be great when you get to heaven, you look to your blessings account, and every blessing that God wanted to give you, he gave you? Sometimes it's just the opposite. We're so busy trying to plan our own way, do our own thing. We avoid God's blessings. We live in disobedience. Sometimes he can't bless us, but God wants us to use that blessing account up. Lack of activity. There is one account that God wants you not to use so often. That's a forgiveness account. Are you with me, saints? Not that he's tired of forgiveness. Not that his long-suffering wears out. But God wants you to get tired of sinning. He wants you to get to the place where you understand that sin is always counterproductive, destructive, and hurtful to the heart of God. When you sin, you only hurt yourself. And when you learn that, you'll stop doing wrong things by choice. And you have to ask God for forgiveness less. Isn't that amazing? Don't you believe you can get to the point where you don't have to ask for forgiveness so much more? That's called Christian growth and sanctification. I used to lie. I don't lie no more. I used to steal. I don't steal no more. In fact, the Bible says, let him that stole steal no more. You can stop doing the wrong things. I used to have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten girlfriends. Only got one, and we get married. Say amen. <laughs> God is able to make a transformation in your life where you're not doing the things you used to do. What's your credit report like now with God? One day he's coming back. <laughs> and our status with God will depend upon, now listen carefully, not what we have done, but how wisely we have drawn upon God's credit account for us. When you mess up, don't run away. He's got plenty in the blood of Jesus to forgive you for every sin. There ain't one, pardon my English, that God cannot forgive. The only sin that is unforgiven is the unconfessed, unforsaken sin. Are you with me? They call that one unpardonable because you do not sincerely ask for pardon. Don't let the baby distract you on that one. Let me say it again. The only unpardonable sin is the sin that you refuse to ask for pardon. Are you with me? You choose to keep it. Right? You don't let it go. Any sin, no matter how small, can undo our whole relationship with God. So keep your sins confessed and forgiven. Even if you're still struggling with it. Even if you say, Lord, I'm struggling with this habit. I don't know if tomorrow I'm going to do it again. But if today was my last day, I don't want to do it again. And you're forgiven. Keep your sins forgiven. Huh? God will be with you. Use those accounts wisely. And if you just rely upon the grace 
the salvation account, the forgiveness account, and the prayer account, God is able to work them three together and is guaranteed that you'll be saved. Being saved is enough. But you know, sometimes when you open an account, they have many things, a man's account, to lure you to give them your money. They give you a little premium, don't they? Open this account where you'd be paying us interest for the next 30 years, and we'll give you a toaster. <laughs> I might get some phone calls from the bankers today. Y'all help me. Pray for me. When you open an account with the Lord, he gives you happiness now, salvation forever, and as a bonus, he throws in heaven. Now what are you going to trade for that? Would you bow your heads with me? Just ask God for a moment. Lord, what's my credit report like with you? Do I have unpaid vows? Have I made promises to you that I have not kept? Lord, am I still in some type of known disobedience to you? Forgive me, help me to obey. Lord, am I not using my accounts wisely? Am I too involved with the world to prize the things of man? If I find myself in any one of these conditions, forgive me and correct me and set me in right relationship with you. But most of all, convince me that this is not a monetary, this is not a give and take, quid pro quo relationship with you. It's all based upon your grace. So when I don't understand, even when it don't make sense to me, help me to trust and accept you and know that you've already paid the price for my salvation. If you love me that much, before I was born, while I was yet a sinner, help me and convince me that I can trust you with every detail of my life, from the greatest possession to my last cent, to my body itself, to eternity with you. Help me to trust you so that when the end comes, not because of who I am, but because of what you've done, I might hear your well done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Now, there might be somebody here who know that your accounts are in arrears. You want to get it right with God today. Raise your hand up. Put it down. Jesus will balance the account that quick. God bless you. Hands here. Hands everywhere. You're getting it right with the Lord. There's something wrong. Raise your hand. Put it down. Jesus will balance the account instantly. Don't take him no 7 to 15 years to forgive you. You're right with God right now. Somebody say amen. amen. Then there might be somebody here who wants to open an account with Jesus for the first time. I was talking to you in the early part of the sermon that you know that you need to come to God, but you just haven't done it yet. The still small voice has been on your tail for years and has been dogging you. Now you want to come home. Just a moment, not a long appeal. I just want to give this opportunity. If you want to come to Jesus right now, start that relationship. Open up a salvation prayer, forgiveness account with him right now. Would you raise your hand where you are? Coming to Christ for the first time. Man, woman, boy, or girl. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, today is the day. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Tomorrow is not promise. Somebody coming to Jesus today? Lord, thank you for your people. For this message, no matter how ragtag, I pray that they got the point. And then help us, Lord, to live in right relationship with you depending not upon our earnings, not upon our power, not upon our works, but upon your grace. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.